Hey everybody, welcome to Surface Level, a show that takes a look at society's expectations and rejects the ones we don't see it for. All from the perspective of three black queer best friends. I'm one of your hosts, Jordan, and today, Tony Damon and I are discussing the gay community's obsessions with all things skinny, snatched, and sculpted. Do we have implicit bias against certain body types? Does the obsession with our body types create a toxic environment with people with less celebrated body types? This is Skinny Legends Only. Skinny Legends Only. All right, so today we're discussing a topic that transcends black culture, queer culture, and that's the relationship we have with our own bodies. Mm. Um, and for some people, it can be a healthy, beautiful relationship. But for a lot of people in this country, body image can be a very toxic relationship. Um, we're very excited to have this conversation with a close friend of ours, Aaron Randall. I like to think of Aaron as like our well-researched news source. <laughs> yes. uh, he's a journalist by trade and currently producing another podcast centered around refusing to accept things as they are. So it is no surprise that he would make a perfect guess for surface level. But we'll speak with Aaron a little bit later in the episode. For now, I want to play a game with the three of us. All right now. Okay. I, I'm, I'm nervous. So the, Are you? You know, I, it's, it's a, 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 a good nervous. Mm. Mm. I feel tingly inside. So eager? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm eager. Don't look me in my eyes like that. I'm ready and willing. <laughs> you know what? And able. If you ask me, <laughs> I'm ready. So uh, we all know that Aaron's a former reporter for the New York Times. Yes. So I thought it would be fun to do some trivia around some of the biggest headlines in news in the last 20 years. Know the girls. That sounds exhausting. I mean, it's... (laughs) 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 Just just indulge me. All right. So in 2007, the most popular branded consumer electronic device was launched. Was it the iPhone or the MacBook? Mm, 2007. It was the iPhone. iPhone. The iPod. Was that an option? It was definitely the iPhone. It had to be the iPhone. Because I remember all through, we went to college in 2007, and I remember I had a Blackberry. And I was like, I'm not getting an iPhone. I need buttons. Is that your final answer? Yes. Or the MacBook? Well, the iPhone, I feel like, was out way earlier. Or maybe not. 2007? Child, what's the answer? Oh. <laughs> All right, so it's the iPhone. Okay, uh, she's talking about, you, is it your you answer? You cannot be making a second guess. Well, if you, know, if you know the answer, you know the answer. Well, I didn't know the answer. Exactly. You're Actually, for, I you're did. Look, you're looking for them context I, clues. I said iPhone. All right, so yes, the iPhone came out in 2007, and between 2007 and 2018, they've sold 2.2 billion units. Mm-hmm. Um, but the MacBook did come out in 2016. I mean, 20, uh, 2006, so just a year earlier. Oh, okay. I yeah. thought that would have been more confusing than it was, but whatever. Yeah, you're trying, I to, digress. trying to trip the girls up. Mm-hmm. I don't get tripped up. <laughs> Tony, you're riding my coattails to success. Okay. Sure. <laughs> In 2008, America elected its first African-American president with Barack Obama. Yeah. But he also broke this record as well. Was it the most money raised by any poli- presidential can- um, candidate in American history? or the highest number of electoral votes received by a presidential candidate? The most money raised. I can't even answer. Do I get to answer? Now I just got to say what DeMond says. No, you say what you want to say. Well, 
I don't I don't think it was the highest number ever of electoral votes. I don't know the full history of our presidency, but I'm just going to say the most money raised because at that time, at that time. It, it was at that time because Joe raised more money. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The next question, Demond, you answer second. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, you know, it's, but, but it's, speaking of politics, you know what's crazy? Like, the electoral, like, you used to win the presidency with, like, 500 electoral college votes. Yikes. Like, Ronald Reagan lost one state. Yeah. What? Like, Ron- Jimmy Carter lost two states. Like, it used to be that. Like, it wasn't as divided as it is now. Yeah, and the 1984 presidential election, Reagan won 525 out of 538 electoral votes. Baby. Yeah. But before that, George Washington, he ran on the post. So it was giving <laughs> all of Period. them. Period. All of them. <laughs> Period. Yeah. Why do I even run with you girls? <laughs> she dropped the mic and said, <laughs> okay. I won't but, answer the next question. But oh, 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 Obama, he raised $778 million. Um, that was the most money ever raised by a presidential candidate at the time. Hillary broke that record in 2016 with over a billion. And then Trump broke that this year with nice. $1.5 billion. Okay, But no, Joe Biden raised more money than Trump. He Joe Biden did no. Did it he? was it was just Trump raised just a little bit more. Like I think like it was a difference. Oh, of like a couple of hundred Joe million. Biden broke all the like monthly budget like records. It was really close. Joe Biden was like one point five, and I feel like tr- Trump was like one point five seven. Well, child, ain't none mm. of them giving any of that money to me. So let's move on. Don't matter. We know what the president is. I'm annoyed. Um. Mm-hmm. So in 2010, the U.S. experienced the largest environmental disaster in its history with the oil spill off the Gulf Gulf of Mexico. How many gallons were pumped into the Gulf of Mexico? Was it 6.2 billion gallons or 200 million gallons of oil? Tony, what you think about that? I don't think anything about it. (laughs) I don't think about about it at all. She don't care about the environment. Let's go with the higher number just because for shits and giggles. 6.2 billion? Yeah, sure. Damone? Uh, I'm going to go with that, too. Okay, it was $200 million, and mm. it took 87 days before the gushing was fully capped. I knew it was that one. I just wanted to be dramatic and go with the higher one. See? Look I at know me. that's right. Okay, so the last one is a little science-y. Well, it's not really. It's kind of science-y. Okay, in 2015, NASA became the first human-made object, or NASA created the first human-made object to fly past and, ob- and observe the planet of Pluto. Mm-hmm. How long did it take for the spacecraft to reach Pluto from Earth? Was it... Don't matter. Nine point five years <laughs> or four point five years? Um, nine point five years. Let's be dramatic in the same vein as the last question and just go with the higher number. I'm with Tony. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. It's January like two thousand and six. Something to get to Pluto. That's when they launched January two thousand and six, and they didn't reach Pluto until July fourteenth. Pluto not a planet no more. Wow, it's a it's a it's a it's an idea. It's a star now, isn't it? <laughs> I don't think it's a star either. <laughs> the girls are idiots. Who won this? I did. Okay, <laughs> sure. Let's give Tony one. <laughs> oh, it's me now. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you over there talking shit? <laughs> um. So, I, moving on from our weird trivia Pluto notes, uh, and mm-hmm. moving back into the topic of. Gay culture and body image. Um, a lot of how we present ourselves and how we experience interactions with gay men is about body and how we look at ourselves and how we look at other men. Um, when did you guys first start paying attention to the aesthetic that you presented to people? Um, Jordan, maybe let's start with you. Um, It probably... 
I mean, I, I feel like body has always been sort of like a a topic. <laughs> in, like the body category. It's always, it's always been Miss a Candy. Topic. No, like I, I feel like it's always been a thing, but I feel like growing up it was more so um, like you're really skinny type of thing. Like mm. you're like a scrawny person type of thing. Mm. I don't think that it was until um, college maybe or even just like the very early years of New York that I felt like my body was like celebrated. And then I felt like that sort of fed into this idea that I needed to, like, maintain it or that there was some level of urgency that needed to be taken to make sure that I, like, made it so that I can continue to receive those compliments Mm -hmm. and um, that celebration. So I think that body's always been a thing, um, but I I don't think that it really uh, hit me in a way where I was, like, being proactive about maintaining it until probably like my very old teens and very young 20s Mm -hmm. that makes sense what about you tony uh well similar to kind of what jordan is saying is like i never realized that i was living with a certain level of privilege body image was something that was more of an afterthought for me because i was always this scrawny little fella and i didn't particularly care about muscles or working out i hated that part of gym class where we had to you know go in the, the weightlifting room and the changing of the clothes in the locker room oh, like you I, hated the changes I, of the clothes I, in the locker I, at that room. time i did hate the changing of the clothes in the sure. locker room but i i embrace and lean into it now lie again but there's no locker room for me lie, to go in lie, lie again lie so, again my grandmother used to say why you lie so well, <laughs> <laughs> you love the locker room moments. But no, I mean, I, I didn't enjoy it. And I felt out of place around a bunch of hetero macho guys that were into sports. So, you know, I wasn't into the sports. But in college, I got immersed in gay culture and quickly started to realize that the gay community celebrates fit. Then, you know, that that they celebrate those body types. And if you looked a certain way, you were glorified. Uh, And it was at that point that I started to pay more attention to the way I presented myself and the thoughts that I formed around what what I even found appealing based on what gay culture and societal unquote unquote norms are or were or is because I think it's still pretty much prevalent today. And now so once I, I moved back to New York after college pressures around body image were only amplified. And as we get older, I think there are pressures around keeping that youthful snatched appearance and keeping the body tight and right because the minute you start to lose yourself, folks won't hesitate to let you know that, oh, girl, you gained a little weight. Like, you squoze into those jeans, <laughs> you know? And Squ- it can... It, listen. <laughs> it can, <laughs> yes, you squoze into those jeans. <laughs> but it can be a very tough crowd, and the community can really make you feel that you have to look a certain way in order to fit in and have a seat at the table. And if you're a part of this community, you you feel like you want to fit in and belong. But, you know, with all with all you vicious motherfuckers, it do take nerve. <laughs> Believe me. And the way some of y'all look, like you shouldn't be judging, but, you know, oh, oh. I'm not going to be shady today, just fierce. You to mind. Well. <laughs> I don't I don't <laughs> Hold up. Hold on. Did I just get I just got slapped in the face. I, I didn't know what just happened. But you know. Listen. Moving on. I said what I said. So what else is going on? Demond? Anyway. Um, 
I think that a lot of it has been my experience in New York that's made me think a lot more about physical image and presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, New York has been the place where I've been most openly queer and in a lot of ways, like, celebrated for my body or it's just like oh you're slim and you're like people have been into that or even just like the work I do I work in fashion like it's been a thing where I've sat in rooms and we've had meetings in which we decide like what is and is not flattering for a body type right like which is crazy to even think about like as I've gotten older and you think about some of the conversations and experiences I've had and some of the things that we have glorified or some of the things that we have portrayed or some of the things that the the parameters we've set for people and how they dress themselves mm-hmm. um has been a at sometimes ridiculous Listen, ridiculous experience. I, I, I think i learned a lot about your world just by watching devil Riz prada when they talked about cerulean <laughs> and being in that room and you thought you just chose that but no actually actually but, but, <laughs> but and i, I want to add on that i feel like you know, I was managing a photo shoot, um, I think like maybe two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I was working with a retailer to do all the the fashion fitting for like all the people in my mm. agency that were going to be a part of the photo shoot. We had one agency of the year. So we were doing like a magazine um, editorial. And this guy who had been helping me out with like getting me close together, like I thought that he was like the sweetest guy. He gave me all this like help and attention. Obviously, I was managing the account as well. Um, but then I realized that he was interacting with another person on my team completely different. Mm. Um, and it was a guy who they didn't really create a bunch of options for his um, for his shape and his size. And instead of like trying to figure out solutions for him, he sort of like the sales associate created an attitude around mm-hmm. him and, and almost treated him like it was an inconvenience to have him there. And it's crazy because like, I could have left that experience thinking that this was a great place to yeah. to to patronize, to work with, had that colleague not come up to me and just been like, yo, like I feel uncomfortable. Like this is what he, this is how he's talking to me. It's it's crazy. Like yeah, and I think it's one of the things where when you talk about brands, people will just oftentimes in that industry say, like, well, this is just our brand. Mm-hmm. And our brand doesn't have to be for everyone. And so flippantly and so condescendingly talk about it. Um, and it, 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 it's unfortunate, but I think in all of that, like it's obviously a lot easier for us to like look outside and to criticize. But um, if we were to take a more introspective look and we think about our friend groups and the people that we hang around, to be fair, there's like a quite consistent um, aesthetic most people are either thin or most people are either muscular. You can mm-hmm. tell people either are either naturally thin or they're working out. Um, do we think that that is coincidence? It is a... Um, do we think that's coincidence? And it's something that is a reflection of how we've built friendships and relationships over time? Or does that have something to do with some of our own implicit biases or things that we have as individuals? Um, maybe, Jordan, let's go back to you on that one. Um, I think that, I mean, it's it's definitely both, right? I think, at least from my experience, um, I tend to move in whatever space I feel like is the easiest. Mm. And um, for me, I felt like, the people who would come up to me and 
initiate friendships with me were all sort of homogenous. And um, I typically, if I feel like a, a, a relationship is easy, I'll go forward with it. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't really even think about this until um, a friend brought this up to me a, a few years ago. Um, and they made the comment about me, like, only having friends that look like me, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that for a while it's been um, it's been a very implicit bias. I hadn't really been given it too much thought, but I think that living in New York and having the pressure of that, I was subconsciously curating the people that I was hanging around. Mm -hmm. um, and... Yeah, I think that you you sort of see how things like you, you sort of see how things in New York work. You see like people being treated poorly and you you sort of sometimes you think about like okay, well like is that going to make it more difficult for me if I initiate a friendship with someone who's going to be experiencing all of this? And like what do I do to to help in that? And sometimes it's easier to not think about it. And I think that it wasn't probably in until like maybe like recently like within the last few years that I've just been like you know what I feel like I need to take take a second take a beat away from the New York this is what you need to the the, the formula this is what you need to do to mm -hmm. be successful and to be socially successful and and really take a deep look and and say like who do I actually fucking like right right you know what I mean and I feel like once I took on that lens I feel like my friend group took on a different, a completely different look and feel and experience. And I feel like, yeah, I think that for a, for a large part of my New York career, that had been a thing. And it's crazy because I don't think that that was a thing for me in, in college. Hmm. I think in college, it was a lot less of that yeah. pressure. I think it wasn't until it was New York where it was just like, where are you going? Right. Who, like, who do you know? Who's getting you a job? Who's getting you into this party? Who's doing that? that you feel like, oh my goodness, like, am I curating the right space to make sure that like I can achieve all of this access and benefit? Right. It's giving it's give very much this or that. <laughs> yeah. I think that it's interesting that um, as queer men, we have all these qualifiers when we're talking about friends. And a lot of times, to be really real, you you develop friendships based on people you're attracted to. Like, mm -hmm. think about when you're out and about, like, you meet people, you're like, oh, he's cute, I want to talk to him. Mm -hmm. And, like, sometimes it may evolve into a relationship and such, cool, and then sometimes it's just a friend. Um, and I think that is also one of the things that is this qualifier around thinking about body image and the things that, like, I'm interested in because, like, you think about, oh, I just, I want to sleep with that person. Right. Or I'm, <laughs> that person makes makes you a little hot. Mm -hmm. um, and it, just think about, like, friends that we've had for years and years it's just like I, I learned many years ago not to ask gay men like oh how did you meet somebody oh baby, <laughs> baby. <laughs> because the answer can vary to a whole lot of things that people don't want to chime into but is that th that's always an interesting question when you start dating someone and Ooh. they ask how you know your friends and it's like well well we used to roll around but <laughs> 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 but but i think that that also is one of the things that creates this exclusive space and it creates people where like you find friends that look like you because people are vain and they're 
interested in themselves. Um, So I think that's also another layer that's involved specifically around queer men um, that I've really noticed in time. And and sometimes I look around at my friends and I'm just like, child, (laughs) this is is absurd. Why do we all, why are we all like this? This is ridiculous. Tony, Tony, what are you, what are you thinking over here? What's what's bubbling beyond beyond the surface level? Bubbling. Um, But let me, let me just, let me just say this. I don't hand select my friends based on how they look because there's more to being friends than just fitting a look to me. And so I don't want to be around you if you're just a pretty face. Like, that's cute, but what else is going on? You know, and now don't get me wrong. I think that folks, like literally what you were saying, Devon, is part of my response to this because I think that folks naturally gravitate towards other people that they might deem attractive. Uh, You know, name a person who doesn't like to be around beautiful people. I, I, I don't know one. So it, I think that is hard to make. So all your friends are shallow. Um, to call it what it is, I mean, shallow, sure. I, I, don't, I don't even know what to, if that's what you like, that's what you like. But I also think, again, to my point earlier, that there's more to being a friend than just how you look. But I think that it's hard to make friends, especially in a city like New York, because, well, because I think when we meet people, on the onset, it's about like <laughs> that physical attraction. You know, you might you might identify someone who you want to be cool with, but it probably starts with some level of physical attraction. And most people don't know how to have a platonic friendship anymore. And now, although I don't feel like I went out of my way to you know handpick friends who have a certain aesthetic, that might very well be an unconscious bias of mine. And so, in my head. I may have convinced myself that this is a coincidence. But I do have a very close friend that uh, I want to bring into this conversation. And it's a close friend of mine, and he's become a close friend of my circle and you guys. And he also went to Howard University with us and graduated with us. And, you know, he's a bison. And I just want to bring him into the fold here because I think it'll be... We can call you on your bullshit. Interesting. I lo- look, call me on my bullshit. Get me together. Snatch my wig. But no. So Aaron, Aaron Randall, is a graduate of Howard University. He's an award-winning journalist, storyteller, and communication specialist with over 10 years of experience covering race, marginalized communities, culture, entertainment, and sports, having worked previously at the New York Times, and at his hometown newspaper, the Kansas City Star. Go Chiefs. I do know a little bit about the sports sometimes, every now and again. Wait, what sport is that? Football, baby. Oh. They throw the they ball, just won the, catch it. They just won that big, you know, when they, at the, the end. The Super Bowl. Had, yeah, that thing. First and ten. You know, that we watched Beyonce many year, moons ago. Didn't Dude. that happen during COVID? Wasn't it canceled this year? Uh, well, they got, they got the weekend. You know the Super Bowl's in like... February. Super Bowl's in February. See, you don't even know. <laughs> Anywho, he's currently a producer at Gimlet Media, a Spotify company. Get your life, tech. You know, we love a tech coin around here. Uh, and then now he's working, coincidentally, on a brand new podcast entitled Resistance. And today, we welcome Aaron Randall to our Surface Level family. Woo! Yes. Turn your mic over, girl. <laughs> Greetings, Soros. Aaron. <laughs> Aaron. <laughs> Greetings, Soros. 
Every time I see Aaron, I say Aaron. (laughs) So fun fact, um, the first uh, instance or the first interaction that I had with Aaron Randall was freshman year. Wait, hold on. Y'all got the same last name. Y'all cousins, what's going on? We have the same last name, different spelling. (laughs) They married. They're like us. L-L. They're like us. They we're husbands. They're husbands. But you know, it it's confusing. They, they lesbian married. It, it, it can it can be confusing, and it was very confusing for Howard University because <laughs> freshman year they gave my room away to Aaron Randall. <laughs> so Aaron Randall was on the floor with all the business majors, and I was on the floor with all of the uh, co-ops majors. Mm-hmm. What floor were you on? You weren't on five. I, I wasn't on five. I was on three in Aaron Randall's room. They messed oh. his room up. And they switched them up. Yeah. So you were on five. It was yeah. a freaky Friday. Child, what were we? Um, I should have had a, a double, <laughs> emoji a or a Nia. What was our floor, child? I was on the second floor with the game. No, you, we had all those like. <laughs> yes, I remember. Oh, and, the, and that triple. Yeah. I wasn't in the triple, but the triple. You were in the, the triple was in you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that coming. Don't do that. All right. <laughs> All right. So um, obviously, um, Aaron is not new to this group, but he is new to the podcast. He's new to the listeners. So um, we like to play a little game just to get people a little bit more familiarized with who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to play a game of this or that. And I want you to be honest, I want you to be quick. And I want you to start now. Ooh. 4 a.m. or 4 p.m.? Talk to me like that. <laughs> 4 p.m. Big Lotto or Big Sean? Lotto. Reading or writing? Reading. FaceTime or text? Says the journalist. Text. What is your love language? And for the people who don't know the listeners, uh, the options are words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, or physical touch? Quality time. Oh, okay. You're the that's, first. That's mine. You're the. Oh, Someone you're, you're finally came on the show with a quality time. Yeah, quality time is my my really tell love me? language. Yeah, yeah. Mm. that's the way. That's mine get. too. Mine is quality that's time. That's why we married. And phys- yeah. physical touch. Well, you know, touch my. When, so we, when we spend quality, quality time, time, we physically touch one another. Yeah, <laughs> that makes that's sense. That's the goal. That mm. makes sense. Why mm. quality time? Um. All right. So, big party or small gathering. Small gathering. <laughs> That's Wh- the COVID saving. <laughs> <laughs> Wine or cocktail? Cocktail. What spirit? Y'all done made me a tequila girl. Mm-hmm. I used to, yeah, used to be like whiskey or gin. I'll say tequila. Mm, okay, yeah, it's a little tequila. A little tequila. A little tequila. Tequila. Uh, <laughs> <A tequila. laughs> Horror or comedy? Horror. Rich or successful? Rich. I know, that, I know that's right. <laughs> a man of my own kind. If you're rich, you must be successful. <laughs> okay. I can be rich in a bed. Um, <laughs> and what? last but not least, what's more important in a partner, intelligence or humor? Ooh. Intelligence. Oh, okay. yeah. I agree. Yeah. Be, I can watch a comedy smart. special. <laughs> okay. But I can't cure stupid. You're not going to be sitting around here dumb. <laughs> Definitely not going to be sitting around here dumb. I got the jokes. Yeah. Dumb. <laughs> but so, no, Aaron, I'm so happy that we have you here today. This is going to be a lot of fun for us because we are so, we're, we're sisters. We stick together. That's what you think. So she cheetah girl, you together. Cheetah sisters. <laughs> so, get me together. But no, to level set, 
I think we should start with the fact that you just recently moved to New York. You've only been here about a year now, maybe a little over a year. And it's such an interesting time to come to the city and then have COVID happen and not be able to be enthralled in all of what New York actually is. Even though you've visited many times, like living here is so much different. So having come from a very different city, you, you're from Kansas City, Missouri. I would like for you to start by talking about your experience with the gay community there versus your experience with the gay community having been in New York so far. Well, you know, Kansas City is in Missouri, so that's like Bible Belt country. And Bible Belt. You know, it's not as regressive as I think coastal folks seem to like think that it is. But um, you definitely, I believe, are more muted in places like Kansas City. Like, I mean, I think here in Harlem, like you all, um, people of all walks of life live their, self, live their lives as fully and as openly as really they, they want to. You know, and I think it's because that there are many spaces out there that kind of affirm that behavior and encourage it in a way. Whereas in Missouri, it's not like, you know, you're necessarily being repressed, but they're still building towards that moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, people aren't out there, you know, just 100 percent hiding who they are or not being themselves. But they're working towards that point where they can really just live unapologetically. Mm -hmm. And so I guess in a word, I call it like muted. But. It's also a little bit, like, simpler in the Midwest, you know what I'm saying? Like, there aren't as much, there isn't as much curation going on. There isn't as much, like, thought about, you know, perception or what other folks think as far as within the group, right? Intra group. Mm-hmm. So, like, within the LGBT community. Like, once you are fam, it's like you're fam. Right. And I have found that there is so much less stigma and so many fewer barriers to cross, mm. um, so to speak, in a place like Kansas City. Like this conversation that we're having you know today about body image it's so it's so much less an issue in the midwest than it is on the on the east coast and that's actually what made it so jarring for me when i realized it here on the east coast when i got here because it's just like oh there's definitely some positives to being in new york but like oh i didn't have to worry about you know certain things you mm-hmm. know that um i am here in new york um so yeah i guess that's how i'd say muted but also simpler yeah i mean I think it's such a different, such a dichotomy, right, between the two cities. And I, I, I have no, I actually, you know, I was raised in Virginia for the most part. And so I could say, like, although it's not exactly where you're from, it's probably, like, similar. You don't have those same issues or you don't, you're not worried about the same things that you would be worried about in a metropolitan space. So what about, like, D.C.? Because you, we went to Howard together, so... Did we, that, I was I was like DL a lot in DC. Like I okay. come out, and talk so about like, right, let it out, so let it like, out. The is in my life too. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. Um, so um, I was not really out in DC, and then when I did come out, it was like the very deep. I guess I would be real, like the very deep hoe phase. So it was like I really didn't care about, you know. Yeah. Um, so once I began to like actually like look deeper than just like sex things of that nature, that's when I was in Kansas City. But then it's like, oh well, I'm. In, in in a way using like my friends as cues like I see how you guys are living yeah. you know me and Tony we talked every day via text and our group, cha- group chats at, at that time and right. that was very empowering for me but it's like I couldn't live in, in a way that you lived in New York mm-hmm. in Kansas City at that mm-hmm. time you know um and so uh, I think that DC is like a tough cookie I would love to go back there now that like oh, I baby <laughs> go get your life it's the playground yeah I'd love to go back there but 
That's the word. Different time, different story. You heard. I jo- heard it was the. Paper. We we heard from Jordan. So we heard. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's, that's a very interesting, Aaron. Note because uh, the deep hole phase. Uh, we'll talk about that off the record. Um, but I think part of the reason that we wanted to have you on today, and especially because around this topic, we didn't really feel like we had the range, like to just sit here and talk about this, just me, Devon, and Jordan. Like, we felt like somebody else who has a point of view that we know, like, can come in and has researched and has done the due diligence on the topic should come and have a seat at the table. So you recently took to your own social media page to bring up one aspect of body image, which is fat phobia. And I think a lot of us were, like, living in this bubble until you gathered the girls. And, that, and I don't think that was your intention to gather the girls. You were just spitting knowledge. Maybe your truth. Right. You were really spitting knowledge around the subject matter. And I kind of lived for it. But we didn't actually talk about it, you and I. But I saw it. Mm-hmm. And we all saw it. And so I, I want to know, like, what prompted your classroom lesson? Like, what, what made you get on there and, like, school the girls? And if you could talk a little bit about what fat phobia is and what it what it actually means mm-hmm. i think that would be of value to the listeners and to us because i don't think we still even are as versed as we could be about it yeah so like um start by saying like i pride myself on you know my friend groups and my friendships and you know just how worldly and how cosmopolitan and how smart my friends are um <clears throat> but that being said it was really jarring and striking to me in a way to see um just how pervasive how casual like fat phobia is in my friends um um not only here in new york but specifically in harlem my friend groups in harlem um my friend groups around the country um folks back home like it really everywhere i looked i saw it um explicitly and implicitly and more importantly it it wasn't it wasn't like purposeful right like Mm -hmm. it it was and that's what kind of made it even that much more um necessary i felt for me to say something because it was like i don't think people honestly understand like how violent they're being in these moments you know i get on instagram and almost daily you know someone saying oh i need to work out because i'm a fat ass and it's Mm -hmm. like you have a 30 inch waist and you know you have a 30 inch waist or or i'm seeing a a stick to thick challenge on Twitter where it's really just skinny people glorifying how they went from being 180 pounds or I'm sorry, 150 pounds to like 175 with a little bit more muscle. Mm -hmm. Or I'm seeing, you know, thin people who typically weaponize language like fat against fat people, you know, calling themselves thick or using thick with two C's because it's it's cute. But it's like, you know, you aren't thick. You know, you are very slim to average size. And I don't think that that was necessarily intended to be hurtful, but it really is. Right. And, you know, as um, our uh, discernible and knowledgeable queen, the savant Kylie Chris and Jenner said, <laughs> "Who's queen?" <laughs> because wait, wait a minute now. That's the, that's the newbie. Child, somebody. I gotta go. It's I a type of value, you know. Oh, real that helicopter. Come get me out of this camp. Twenty twenty is about realizing things, right? I realized that that sounded crazy. <laughs> and the fact that no, no, go ahead, Aaron. It's the savant billionaire. Jenner said, "It's about realizing things." Getting me upset. And no, I just realized that a conversation needs to be had here, right? And we were having one throughout our country, yeah. right? We, we were having uncomfortable truths, uncomfortable, con- uncomfortable conversations. And I felt like if 
fat folks don't initiate the conversation, then it won't ever happen. And more importantly, people don't even know what fat phobia is, right? right. It is just yeah. it's just innate hatred and othering of of fatness, right? Mm-hmm. And they also think that fat phobia is the same as body shaming. It's not. They think that fat phobia is the same as skinny shaming. It's not. You know, fat phobia is a system of oppression, much like racism, sexism, misogyny, you know? And I think that people don't understand how pervasive it is and how so many people are complicit in furthering that system. And a lot of my friends who I love and who I know love me are complicit in furthering that system. And the actions and the words that they that, that they do daily impacts me. And more importantly than impacting me, it furthers the system of fat phobia and body shaming. And I just felt like it was enough was enough. I didn't want to like personally attack anyone and like mm-hmm. come at them personally. So mm-hmm. I said, let me just say this out loud. Yeah. Let me list some examples and then you can maybe find yourself in those examples. And no, <laughs> you know girls, the girls were sending messages like did you do, do you this? do you feel what red? Talking about? And I could I was like, red. girl, leave me out of it. I don't know what's happening. And the key is, I could about feel you, it. Right. Was it puts you right back at it. The key is, I could feel it because literally, like when I tell you, because I I made sure to end it with. And by the way, if you want to talk, I'm here. I got like two texts from like some like women friends who were just like chill, and none of the girls hit me up, and I just knew like I know that they're probably just like, was that a personal shot? And it really wasn't like I mean it was it was a calling to account, but it wasn't mm-hmm. like me personally coming at you because I feel like ultimately, and we'll get into this later, like I can't change fat phobia. Mm-hmm. You know, you all can. Fit, able bodied, slim, average body people, you are the ones who will fix it. Like the way that it's not black folks like job to fix racism, yeah. it's not fat folks' job or capability to fix fat phobia. I just wanted to kind of just put that out there and hopefully just inspire at least some interest in change, if not change itself. Right. And and to be honest, I'm I am definitely guilty of being fat phobic, I guess, because I but it was an unconscious thing of my I didn't I didn't know what it was. Like we were talking about and that's why we wanted you here today because I was, I was like well, I don't what is this? I was like, huh? huh? Let's get into it. So but no <laughs> quickly quickly because this is even a question. I'm just thinking about this off the top. Like, what was some of the the responses that you got? Like, what, I what kind of response did you get from people? You put it on your Instagram. What were people saying to you? Well, first, overwhelmingly, fat folks were hitting me up. Like, thank you so much. Which was bizarre because it was like people, who, like who have tens of thousands of followers who were just like, thank you for saying this. I had my niece who was fat saying, thank you for saying this. I had other queer fat folks saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, and. This didn't bother me, but it is a reality. I had very, very few skinny folks saying, damn, okay, let me check myself. I actually had a, a couple of skinny folks hit me up and saying, actually, you're wrong, or trying to call me out. And I said, well, we can have this conversation if you want to, but <laughs> just consider that maybe I actually have read on this and are, am, am more knowledgeable on this than you are. And then they said, well, you know what? Actually, I'll just fall back. That wasn't them agreeing with me. That was just them saying, I don't feel like doing this with you right now. Mm. Um, I actually had a few um, skinny able-bodied folks telling me like I'm not trying to hear this like you're overreacting this isn't fat phobia actually no this isn't that I, I was being told basically you know to shut up yeah yeah so it was only two responses it was fat folks saying thank you I feel seen and skinny folks saying actually no right so that that's interesting because what when I think about exactly what you're saying with those responses being either one one of two ways uh, what 
I'm 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 wondering what would you say to people who feel like they should be able to voice their own insecurities, and you know, like what you're kind of talked about earlier, like people were like, I feel fat, and those people may have be having a bad day. They may be feeling like they're being honest and vulnerable in that moment. But like, what would you say to those people? How can they voice their own insecurities about their own body image without impeding on the way that people who do deal with body issues feel or may feel like they're fat and you're not fat you have a 30 inch waist because there are other um body image issues there are people with bulimia and anorexia Mm -hmm. like on the other side of Mm -hmm. the spectrum Mm -hmm. what would you say to those people like how can they talk about it freely and feel like i'm not i'm i'm just speaking about my my Mm -hmm. my truth and being Mm -hmm. vulnerable and i'm not trying to like you know uh hurt your feelings Mm -hmm. um well one way I say that that's valid, 100%. Like, skinny shaming happens. Body shaming happens. And I'm never going to shut that down or say that it's not real. Um, but what I will say, um, it is not the same as fat phobia, right? Mm-hmm. Fat phobia is a system. It is pervasive. In general, writ large, fat is undesirable. Skinny is desirable. Um, people do get skinny shamed, mm-hmm. you know. It's usually to the extreme. It, it, it's very rare, but it does happen, and it is wrong. Um, and I don't think that there's ever a problem with someone like talking about that. And I will never shut that down. I will only shut it down when you try to tell me that it is the same as fat phobia because it's not. Um, and I hope I'm answering the question. No, you're definitely answering the question, Damon. You have something? Yeah, no. I think it's important to acknowledge the external and the internal factors about how people, why people feel the ways they do. Mm-hmm. I think that with the, the point that Aaron's making is about a society and a thing that tells him or people like him that they are wrong. Right. And I think that when you talk about skinny phobia, I don't, I don't know if that's a thing, but just generally like the, the other end of that spectrum and right. all these things, it's about the internal experience that people have. And, like, I don't want to discount that. I think it's important to talk about people who may have eating disorders or people who may be body dysmorphic or all Mm -hmm. these other things because they are real and they are valid. And they are, and, and like, I don't think the point of this episode is to say that those things are not valuable. I think the point of the episode is to say that people living in the bodies that they are, like, the goal is to be happy with who you are. And the goal is to respect, one, the feelings that you have personally and internally and also in other ways to recognize the privilege and recognize the external factors that do not account for your experience yes can i like say that but but that goes to what what aaron's yeah. kind of saying about like and we started the conversation talking about like the gay community glorifies and celebrates the equinox gays the equinox gaze, <laughs> but we glorify, glorify and celebrate a certain body type. Aaron, go ahead. You had a thought. Well, like there was a tweet that went a little bit viral um, a few years ago, where this um, fat queer um, thinker kind of like just put out like, "Hey, fat folks, name some things that you do that you are hyper aware of mm-hmm. because, particularly, of how skinny or fit people um, perceive you or how they treated you," mm-hmm. and the answers were devastating. Like one person said standing. 
another person said, I don't go to a movie theater if I'm if I'm not at least 10 minutes early because I cannot fathom walking down an aisle and having to scooch past people. Mm-hmm. Another person said they don't go to Pride events because they can't imagine being just like with their skinny fit friends. Another person said, you know, I don't go to parties and dance too hard or jump because if I do that, I know that I could be the, the ire of someone's or the butt of someone's joke. Someone who has a, who had like a nasal um, condition said that she's she literally literally limits her breathing mm. because she doesn't want to be the fat person who's breathing too hard in public or in a or in a space. Mm-hmm. You know these skinny I'm, skinny people don't worry about getting to you know having to, to having to sit scoot next to someone in a theater. You know or yeah. or writ large. Of course there are there could be specific instances, but like the, I'm just kind of highlighting how fat phobia kind of can transcend and become. It's just a different. It's a different level than skinny shaming or just general body shaming in general. Right. Uh, Jordan. I, you know, I think it's really interesting because I feel like um, a lot of what you're saying are things that, at least if I'm speaking for myself, that I feel like I've noticed and I've observed. But it was really interesting hearing you, not hearing you, but like seeing you go to social media because I think that was the very first time that I saw words put behind it. Mm-hmm. And it was the very first time that I've heard about fat phobia. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting that you got a lot of negative backlash because I feel like it's, to your point, so pervasive. Mm-hmm. Like we all we all talk about it. We're all like like there is this like fear, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, yeah. of, you know, gaining too much weight. And it's normalized through media, it's normalized through our conversations with one another, it's normalized with your trainer, it's normalized at the Equinox gaze with their with, with their gym. Mm-hmm. And Jordan's an Equinox gay. <laughs> I, I go to the Equinox just because I really like they have Kills products because you know, You're an the, the, condi- the conditioner is a really rich good. white woman. Oh, friends text me and say, I got to get to the gym. I'm getting fat. You know, my friends come to me who are 150 pounds and say, Ugh, look, in, look in the mirror at themselves and I'll be in the room and say, I'm look at me. I look disgusting. And it's like mm-hmm. they have 6% body fat. Yeah. You know, I, 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 Running joke, I was like, you know, I've been in Harlem for 18 months and I'll go to parts. I haven't had anyone come to my apartment with a size 34 waist or above that was gay, you know, like mm-hmm. that. And that's just a reality. I don't know if that's a curation. I don't know if that's purposeful or not, but it, it is a reality. And that's what fat phobia is. It's or being fat. It's about being hyper aware. Yeah. You know, but that's the thing, Aaron. Like, it's a lived experience, right? Like, yeah. well, unless you are living that experience, you're not really aware of all of the things that someone who is living that experience think about. And so, it's it's important, and I think that's part of why we do surface level is to unpack these conversations and, and have yeah. meaningful conversations. That's why we felt like we couldn't sit here as the three of us and have it without someone like you that can come in and really school us because you have done the work. Uh, so, you know, I I appreciate this conversation a lot, but I want to I'm I'm interested to know though about the words and like when people say like I feel fat and stuff. Like, what can what can the community be doing to be more conscious about their word choice? Mm-hmm. What can they say if they if they want to express like they they might feel fat? You don't feel like mm-hmm. your best self. You don't feel like your best self. I think I'm I'm curious about ways that they can that we mm-hmm. the whole community can be more mindful about just saying and expressing themselves in a way that's not you know hurting and and being hurtful to others in the community. If they even care, because some people don't because they're trash. Mm -hmm. Well, I got to say again, like you guys saying you guys are skinny, able, fit body people like the power rests squarely in your hands to kind of like combat and really 
like dismantle fat phobia but um really uh it's it's a weird answer in a way because mm-hmm. one on one hand and this and I should be clear in saying that you know I am doing this unlearning myself you know mm-hmm. I've been 290 pounds and I've been 180 pounds you know like I have and and, and that was you know my weight loss was was spurned com- completely by fat phobia and the fear of it and just like just knowing how I felt and not wanting to feel that way you know and then mm-hmm. I became you know thin and I saw how differently I was treated and mm-hmm. it's just it was really emotionally like it, it was emotionally just so stressful um but let me get back to the actually answering the question so like I no, think that's that important. that's important context it, it's weird because on one hand I think that we need to embrace the word fat, right? Even like me, I don't even like to say it. We always say, oh, they're bigger boned, they're bigger, so they're so and so, they're thick, they're fat. And then ask yourself, why am I so uncomfortable with saying fat and naming that? Yeah. You know, again, I think a lot of the work that we have to do in this in this arena is very similar to racism work, sexism work. You know, like, why are you uncomfortable? Interrogate that and really sit with that. Yeah. You know, um, you can, and then find ways, you know, teach yourself, how can I communicate how I'm feeling without relegating it to casting fatness as a scourge Mm. you cannot like how you're looking physically but is it just like i want to feel better about myself say it that way don't say i don't want to be a fat ass Mm -hmm. say i want to feel better about how i look today yeah you know and even more importantly of doing the work doing the work on yourself do the work on your friends and you know when when your friends are instagramming with you know their abs and 32 inch waist how uh i'm coming a fat ass say hey maybe don't say it like that right maybe say you know like maybe think about how you're saying this mm-hmm. you know and then also like thirdly talk to fat folks like engage them like really the way that we tell white folks hey yeah talk to your black friend and see what they go through yep. you know see you know what you know latent things you've done that 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 have oppressed them or made them feel you know made them feel less than talk to your bad friends ask them yo did i make was that cool what i did or how do you feel about this and maybe they don't have the answers that's fine but even sparking like that nugget can lead to something more profound and it can lead to change behavior and I think people like you guys who have this influence, have this power, when they see you doing that work, I truly believe they will change. Like when Demond, Tony, or Jordan says, hey, maybe don't do that. They may get a little defensive at first, but then I guarantee you they'll, they'll think, think twice and mm-hmm. they'll, tell their, they'll tell their friend. And that's how I think we can really change this whole narrative. Don't get defensive with me. <laughs> please don't. The girls Ooh, are scrapping. Please, don't get defensive with Demond, baby. <laughs> baby. <laughs> but... So, Aaron, you know, we're friends and we've known each other over mm-hmm. a decade. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and you've mentioned that at times you felt excluded, right? And not it just in the gay community in general. And I, w- I would like you to describe for us maybe some instances where you have felt the most comfortable. What is that experience, experience like? What do the people in that space look like what like what's going on like what are those spaces where you feel like damn i i went to a thing and i i enjoyed myself i felt it was a a utopia of a night you know you got your life and you went home and and we recapped the next day you know because that's what we do Uh uh-huh um speak (laughs) about that Uh (laughs) he said said, uh uh-huh uh-huh I mean, because I don't want to, like, you know, get the violin out, but I think that I'm most comfortable when I'm with people who have experienced me, you know, uh, who who know me, who I've been around, and 
um, who I can just totally let my guard down. When I am in a new space, um, it's not often that I'm comfortable. I'm I'm rarely ever comfortable. I'm I'm really only comfortable when I have the Judy's over and we're Friday night and it's like my intimate friends. Yeah. You know, it's you three and our couple of, you know, other friends and we're just in that mm-hmm. moment. But like, you know, when, when we go to the boxers, I'm terrified. When when you guys mm-hmm. ask me to, you know, go to a circuit party, I'm terrified. Cause also because I'm like, I don't I don't know what I'm giving off. But I'm not saying I don't want to go but you y'all know I love to party. I'm yeah. I'm not going because I am hyper aware <laughs> Of, of what that space means for someone like me and I don't want to put that that labor on you all so when you ask me where, where am I comfortable I am not comfortable most places I'm keenly aware that most of y'all are fine thin able-bodied bitch, folks bitch you look good don't do that oh I know I do don't do that I know I do and that's, and, and, snack, bitch. And that's the key and I know nope. and I know I, that's when, the key though I like when, I, when I the when the world opens back up in New York we're taking Aaron to the circuit <laughs> I'm inviting him multiple times and Aaron's so open and, and we're gonna throw down. he's like the one that comes over and the, people get excited a, like Aaron's coming I oh bitch it's about to be a moment like we're gonna throw a harness on her and a, and a little leather but Tony we talked about that right like we talked about like I've I've been in a drunken stupor like at 3 a.m. and just like I've been out with the crew and yeah. literally watch and maybe boxes isn't the best limit because it's literally a place that's like hinged upon like nakedness and body but like I'm like I literally watch there were like eight of us I watched everyone get hit on and approached and and desired and me not be that person and you know that's a common thing that we have to that I have to experience, particularly as um, a fat queer person in in Harlem. Yeah. You know, like in uh, that's why I said again, like it's muted and simpler in KC. It wasn't as, pre- as prevalent there. I experienced mm-hmm. it more here. But to answer your question, I'm not comfortable often, but I'm most comfortable when I'm around my actual friends who have see who see me for more than just like what my body offers or or presents to them. See, this is why. The, the God, the Lord is doing the Lord's work. Actually, the Lord is doing the Lord's because work because I'm so happy. I'm so happy Come that that Come she's on. here to 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 bring this to light. And I think it's such an important perspective. And like just to put it on the table for us to have this conversation, and for people to just like hear these things and us to hear these things. Communication. That's that's the key to any relationship. So I'm I'm really like for you to say that is just. You know, I, I, I'm coming undone, but I, I love it. So Most things make you come undone. Well, I could be coming undone a little bit more than I am. You're always coming and undone. Not the episode. Not the episode. <laughs> Anywho. Not this episode. But, but for Aaron, kind of along the same lines of what you were speaking about, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and going out and being like less than desirable, feeling like you're being less than desirable, because I don't think you're less than desirable, but you felt that way. You make Tony hot and cat. You make a lot of people hot and cat. You just speak, and you know I'm a I'm a I'm a journalist. I have a, ju- a degree in journalism as well. So the English language. I've always said this to Aaron. Like I always walk away feeling smarter after having had a conversation with you. But for the folks out there, for the girls who feel like they they wouldn't have or don't consider being with a bigger guy, let let them know what they're missing. And I want you to be candid about that. Everything, darling. Look at the smile. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, like, lay it on. She know how they, they tell us as black folk, we got to be twice as good. Lay it on. Right? Lay it on. <laughs> you know how they tell us as black folk, we got to be twice as good. Yeah. Uh-oh, you're three times as good. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. <laughs> wait, wait, bro. I'm yeah, just... They do what now? You know how they tell us black folks, we have to be two times as good, right? Yes. 
there's no you know fat fairy godmother telling that to a to a bigger person so to speak but i will say there's something to say about someone who feels like they have something to prove Mm. every day that they wake up and i just feel like you know I know it's cute having that, you know, that IG, that, that Instagramable boy on your bed when you wake up. But <laughs> if you so desire to actually have someone who is used to putting in the work and doing what needs to be done. Blow your mind. Look, cause a lot of boys just worry about themselves. Ooh. Big boys, they trying to, they know that they got to represent and do what needs to be done. Need something to talk you home. So, something what needed to be done. Something to write home about. You feel me? I'm, I'm just saying. About things. Oh, get your quill. Oh, oh get your <laughs> quill. Yeah, get the quill out. Get the quill out. <laughs> Do we have any tequila? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm a tequila girl now. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I, I'll, I'll take that and I'll keep that in mind um, because it's important. You know, when you know better, you do better. Hello. You report back. I you report back. You, you always I'll, do. I'll, I'll let you know what my findings are. You know, I'm a research girl. So. <laughs> you know, research. <laughs> Aaron. Aaron. Just don't listen to those girls over there. Aaron, you worry about me right now. Uh huh. We're going to go home later oh. and recap. They, they, they live together. I, I, I Let's be thank clear. Thank you so much. Like, you have no idea. And I'm not just saying this because you're here and, like, I really mean this from the bottom of my heart, Damon's heart, and Jordan's heart. Like, this Let's conversation. Speak from my heart. It's a big heart. <laughs> and it's so important that we unpack these truths and talk about this stuff and, like, just be open and honest and like have a conversation like we just had. So we thank you for being here. It means a lot, but I want to, I want you to use, and I invite you to use our platform to plug anything that's going on with you, whether it be where to find you on Instagram. I know you got a Twitter that is lit. You know, Aaron's my, <laughs> as I think maybe Jordan said earlier, he's the one that we get the news from first. Hello. <laughs> if you want to know every angle of the story. So, you know, Aaron, let us let us let the people know where can they find you. Well, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, Aaron Ronell, A A R O N R O N E L. Um, but just as importantly, I'm on this uh, new podcast. It's called Resistance. I think you guys will really like it. We're really looking at people who refuse to accept things as they are, and I think that people who like this podcast will like that one. Um, so check it out. It's a Resistance Show on Instagram and Resistance wherever you find your podcast. All right, that's all the time we have for this week. Let's keep the conversation going. Let us know your thoughts and questions at surfacelevelpodcast.com. And if you enjoyed this discussion, please rate, review, and subscribe. You can stay updated by following us on Instagram and YouTube at Surface Level Podcast. And remember, stay curious.